It is time for another edition of the Strip Till Farmer Podcast. Great to have you with us as always. I'm your host, Noah Newman. Big thanks to Yetter Farm Equipment for sponsoring the program. We'll have a special message from them later in the podcast. This week, we are going one-on-one with Minnesota strip tiller Greg Intier. He shares his economic-based strategy for managing his 900-acre strip-tilled corn operation. Had a lot of fun talking with Greg. Let's waste no more time. Here he is. Greg Intier, uh, New Prague, Minnesota. We're about... 50 minutes south, uh, a little bit southwest of uh, the Twin Cities, between Twin Cities and Mankato. I am a strip tiller since 2015, converted over to no-till soybeans in 2017. So current operation is strip-till corn and no-till soybeans. So so you mentioned you switched to strip-till with corn. Uh, what, what was your big motivation for switching to strip-till? I was just talking about that this weekend. Erosion control was one of my major concerns. But then once I started digging into it, it was really more the economics of things. Um, cutting back on fuel, cutting back on time, cutting back on fertilizer. I saw all these savings that were being generated, you know, without loss of yield. So if you can maintain yield and cut inputs, there's more profitability there. So that was a huge, huge thing that just kind of sunk in with me right away. So. Yeah, absolutely. And we'll dig into more of the economics here in a minute. But I, I'm just curious, you know, how difficult is it uh, when you're changing from conventional till to strip till just in terms of changing your mindset? How big of an obstacle was that? Yeah, I mean, it's I, I grew up turning the, the, the soil black. I mean, it's that's the way I grew up. I mean, it, but you have to put trust in the technology. I mean, you have to put trust in people that are doing it. I mean, I I went out and talked to uh, two strip till farmers somewhat in my area. I mean, I got to go 20 miles one direction and 15 miles the other direction to find the closest strip till guys. Um, but I spent some time with them talking about it. And, you know, they, they always said, you know, just sell everything and because you'll never go back. You know, I, I think another thing that scares people away too is just the, the cost of the toolbars. But there's progressions that you can get into. You know, you can just buy a toolbar three point without any fertilizer tank. I mean, that's, you know, that's the most economical way of starting. Um, that will get your soil structure to start changing, you know, in a few years after you have some savings, you know, buy a, a, a Montag tag uh, hopper system behind it. You know, you can just kind of start building your, your strip till bar. You don't need to make that first $300,000 investment. You can just start stepping stones, but... I mean, I, I didn't not start that way. I started with a, you know, I'm going to name a brand, Soil Warrior. Uh, it was a single hopper, 12 row unit. I ran that for five years and now I stepped up to a twin hopper because I saw more savings capabilities there. So it's just, you can start off small and make progressions and make bigger steps. So yeah, just kind of taking it step by step. So, so when you made the switch, did you, sell some of your older equipment or, or how did that work in terms of uh, I, your equipment? I was fortunate enough where I didn't need to. I, you know, not a lot of people say you're betting the farm, but I was betting the farm on it. I was fortunate to, you know, be able to, to not have to sell the equipment. But once I bought into the system and saw that the system works on my own, yeah, I sold my big four-wheel drive tractor. I sold my field cultivator. I sold my ripper. You know, and I recouped three, you know, three quarters of the cost of the strip till bar right there. So, you know, over those those years that um, you know, I started strip tilling and not having, you know, not selling my equipment, 
the savings that I had made up the rest of the cost. So I think three, five years with selling the equipment and the savings, I mean, that toolbar is paid for. You know, and then we bought a, and like I said, we bought a, a twin hopper. It was used. Honestly, I think um, it paid for itself in two years, three years. We got a good deal on it, but uh, I, I honestly think when with fertilizer savings, we, we darn near paid for that thing already. Wow, that's incredible. Yeah. How do you quantify the extra money in an hour saved by strip tilling? Do you have a, a specific number off the top of your head in terms of how much you saved? Well, I think fertilizer, I'm, I'm 50%. I mean, it's, you just, I mean, I talked to my agronomist and, you know, we, we went back and forth from the, the single hopper to the twin hopper. And, oh, it ain't going to make a difference. You know, you're, we're, we're still going to be, you know, costing the same. But I, I called him, you know, six months later and said, well, we did it. We got a two, two hopper system and, he goes, well, okay, I'll start making maps for, you know, the, the P and the K separately and, you know, variable rate it, you know. And he calls me back. He goes, I can't believe it. I mean, you're you're cutting down even further than what we were before. Just because you're not, you know, we're taking, we're putting on crop takeoff in the lowest areas that, you know, that those are the highest uh, areas that uh, that don't need product. Where product, where product is really needed, where my fields are low in, you know, fertility, we can apply more there to start bumping that up. You know, instead of just putting out a full, you know, hundred pounds of P and hundred pounds of K, we're we're going twenty five pounds where I don't need it, and we're putting on hundred and fifty. But yeah, it's just we're able to build my fields, build my fertility, but yet cut costs because I am putting that fertilizer in that six inch fan. You know, my agronomist, I mean, you have to trust your agronomist. Um, we're putting that fertilizer in that six inch fan instead of across 30 inches. You can cut your rates down over time. You know, don't do it the first year you do it because your soil needs to start adapting to it. But as you start progressing in this uh, world of strip till, you can start looking at cutting down your fertilizer rates and keep on going and get to a manageable level that you feel comfortable with. Will I ever put down zero? I have, you know, because my fertility was way high in these areas. But, you know, so your soil is your bank. You're banking that soil. You're banking that nutrients out there. So, Yeah, are you, are you dealing with a lot of different soil types where you are? Oh, shoot. Um, <laughs> I got a 90-acre field that has uh, 12 different soil types. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, you know, I'm, I, I I joke around. I'm in the hills of Leesburg County. I mean, it's just. I mean, I got heavy clays down to peat ground across one field. It's just legumes and muck and clay, and you know, it's just and sandy soils too. So you know, you get these people. Oh, I've never working my soil. Well, come over here and take a look, because I bet I got your soil somewhere in my fields. It's just crazy. Um, my my cousin, my cousin, he farms nine miles away from our from myself. And it's just, it's amazing to see the soil type difference just between me and him at nine miles apart. And, you know, the first year I started strip telling, he's like, yeah, you do it, you know. But that first year, they thought I had, the, you know, neighbors as well as him. He thought I had the greatest corn in the county. Why? Hmm. Was it because of strip tilling? I, you know, I don't know. Was it the year? But, yeah, I think I had the healthiest crop in this, you know, in, in my area. Uh, you know, I kept moisture in the ground. I, you know, I was feeding it properly and so forth but after that year he's like you know what let 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 me borrow that machine you know let me let me strip half of my ground you know because he was no way this ain't gonna work um it might work but it ain't gonna work but that next year he stripped half of his ground and the following year he's like i'm on board you know let's strip everything 
So between the two farms, we're able to share costs again. And, uh, you know, that's how we got into that uh, dual tank is sharing that expense of that equipment bar. So we're running that strip club bar across, you know, total acres between the two of us, corn and soybeans is over 2,000 acres. But we're really stripping our corn, our soybean stubble going to corn. So it's about 1,000 acres we're going across. And now we have some some guys that are asking us to do custom strip tilling. They're starting to see what's happening here. So I think we have 300 acres we got to custom strip till this year. So Wow, that's a lot. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, just time savings. I mean, it's just combine corn, I'm done. I don't have to go up there and rip it. I don't, you know, I, I love the field cultivating. I love the, the ripping in the middle of the night, out in the middle of the field. I loved it. I don't like it anymore, you know. Or to get that strip done, and I'm done. I combine corn, I'm done. I come back in spring and plant soybeans. And that's the toughest thing. No-till soybeans is a no-brainer. These guys need to go and just try it. And that's just the hardest thing for them to do is just try it. You know, take, take a 40-acre field and take half of it or 10 acres of that 40-acre field and just leave it. Don't touch it in the fall. And plant, you know, no-till soybeans into it. And then you can do a side-by-side comparison, but they just won't do it. You know, oh, you got to turn that soil black and get it warmed up. <laughs> no, you don't. These guys, you know, this last spring was just wet here uh, in my area. Uh, guys were working those that soil up twice, you know. The, the adage is you work it up once, you lose an inch of water out of your soil. Well, they were working it two times. But they lost two inches of water in their soil. I was planting, I was stripped to, or no-tilling beans, my beans came up like a week before they did because I was planting into moisture. You know, my you know those seed the seed swelled up and started growing. Well, they had to wait for a rain for that seed to get moisture to start swelling and growing. You know, so it's just plan, guys. Think about it. It's just a no brainer. I mean, guys need to look at their financials and say, "Was it cost me to do all this field work, and does it pay for it?" I mean, I'm. I'm right at bushels or I'm outgrowing bushels with my neighbors in this area. You know, so you're not losing it. But what does it cost you? Okay, if I lose a bushel per acre by no telling soybeans is, does that bushel pay for that extra cost? No, it doesn't. Does two bushels? No, it doesn't. It's five bushels. Well, yeah, you're, now you're starting to get, you know, into the area. If you lose five bushels, yeah. All right, if I would have worked up that field and gained five more bushels, you know, yeah, it would pay for itself. But you got all that time, that time and energy invested into it. Yeah, on top of the money, that that seems like the big part with you too is just all the extra hours you save. Yeah, it, it's it's crazy. I, I mean, I do have a presentation I did a while back. Um, just I should pull it up. I should have pulled it up before our meeting here. But I mean, I, it, like strip telling, I think I'm down to go over. I can do about 25 acres an hour. You know, I think ripping was like, 10, 15 acres an hour I was doing, you know, so it's, and then you got to come back in spring and do another, you know, 10, 15 bushels an hour, you know, so I'm getting done in half the time that it does to, to do conventional work and I'm doing it one time. I'm not coming back in spring and refreshing it. I'm not, you know, and I have the flexibility to do it in fall, like I have, you know, or spring. So it's last fall was really dry. We took the strip till bar out and it was really dry here. And the soil was hard. And we just, you know what? Let's, we're going to wait till we get moisture in the spring and strip till in our spring. So this spring, we're just going to come out. We'll have our 
500,000 acres done in four days, you know? So it's like, huh, all right, four days in the spring, not too bad. So, you know, and people need to fill cultivate. Well, it's going to take them four or five days to fill cultivate, six days to cultivate. But we'll be done, and we'll have our fertilizer out there for the year. Let's burn a time out and thank our sponsor, Yetter Farm Equipment. The 2984 Strip Freshener from Yetter gives you flexibility within your strip till system. You control the level of tillage performed to create the ideal seedbed. Strip fresheners can also place liquid or dry fertilizer in the strips. Use it ahead of the planter to facilitate consistent soil warming and bring existing strips to life. Use a strip freshener in the fall, in the spring, or in both seasons. You decide. Visit yetterco.com. That's Y-E-T-T-E-R-C-O.com for more information. Now back to the conversation. So you're not just dead set on weather on building strips in the fall or spring. You wait to see what the weather dictates and the soil dictates, and then you make a decision. So it could change. One year you might build your strips in the fall, and then the next you might build them in the spring. That is correct. You know, we would like to get it done in the fall. This lot, I mean, fall or years before, we had about ninety percent done in the fall, um, and we felt, you know, there's just a lot to do in the spring. Um, you don't have the right weather in spring yet. It can be a little bit more of a hassle, but I mean, it's there's no one way to doing it. You know, I've I've gone to the National Strips Convention a few years ago, and or when I first started my first year, I'm like, before I even started, really, you know, how do I do this? Well, you got to figure it out yourself. Well, no, you tell me how to do this. No, you got to figure it out yourself. And I'm a true believer in that now. I mean, you have to do trials. If you're not trying, you're not, if you're not failing, you're not learning. You know, I have failed a few times, but I learned from that. Um, and you got to take those bad, those bad, you know, the bad days and go, okay, hey, what, what did I do wrong here? You know, I'm, I'm not trying to do those trials across all my acres. I'm picking 20 acres or 15 acres and trying things, you know. And that's one thing about this, the no-till soybeans. I mean, we were stripping our corn stubble. Uh, for soybeans for a few years and I'm like you know what why are we doing this so I'm like let's take 20 acres or 40 acres of my soybeans of you know 600 acres of soybeans let's take 20 acres and no-till it and we had zero difference in soybean yields and it's like well that's that's a no-brainer you know so it's like the next year I did I think I did three quarters of my soybeans no-till and the other you know strip till I'm like wow why am I doing this again? You know? So then the following year, I 100% no-till. You know, my cousin was right there with me watching and everything, and he started doing the same thing. So it's just, you got to do those trials. You know, one thing, urea, you know, the the, the N, uh, ENS, you can do that in the fall of the year. I did that once. Um, and I think I had the wrong fall or the wrong winter. It was wet. It was warm. I think that ENS broke down and my, my nitrogen leaked downward into the soil profile. So my corn was always suffering that year. And, you know, and that, that was one thing, you know, I'm like, I'm never putting ENS down in the fall again. I'm, I'm, you know, it's just one of those things. I'm just like, nope, I tried it. It failed. It's too high of a risk, too much money involved. I'm not going to do it, but I tried it and I failed, you know, so it's like, all right, keep on going. So. Yeah, sounds like you you try something new every year. Maybe is there with planting season quickly approaching? Is there anything new you're looking at doing this year? Um, 
<laughs> I, well, I stumped you with that one. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, it's the microorganisms uh, or micronutrients. Right, right, yeah. Um, that's becoming very popular right now. And we're going to do some trials with that. Um, you know, not to name brands, but Pivot Bio and, um, oh, what's the other one? We're going to be doing some trials on it. We tried some last year. You mean like so like zinc and boron and micronutrients yeah. like that? Or? Yep, yep, yep. You know, so it's, it's we're going to be trying a little bit more of that this year. Um, you know, just trying to get that soil as healthy as it possibly can be. You know, and it's just because if you have that healthy soil, it's going to produce. And, you know, we're trying to do the minimum tillage um, um, thing with the strip till on it. It's just... You gotta try the little things here and there, you know, and does it save money? Yes, no, all right, let's not try it again next year. You know, so it's just, you gotta keep on trying new stuff. And, you know, and the farmers out there, oh, I'll never work on my ground or I don't, I'm not gonna try it, you know. Well, you're gonna keep on doing the way you're doing it. There's no way convincing you otherwise. So why are we having this conversation? You know, so it's just, you gotta be able to try new stuff and you have to, you have to set up the, the next generation, you know, for success. And that's what I think is, you know, where we're going to be struggling. I think, I think this, the, the soil health thing, I mean, I'm soil health by accident. I mean, I'm looking at the economics thing, but I think this is coming down from the government too. You know, I think there's going to be practices like this that we're going to need to be done. And, you know, I'm, I'm out front, you know, so I think these farmers need to get caught up and start taking a look at these things and at least trying it, trying it on 10 acres or 15 acres. So, yeah, I, I read an article where you called yourself an accidental conservationist. <laughs> I, I like that. So, so yeah, how much of your soils changed and just what, what are some of the big observations you made since you switched to strip till and no till? I got um, one biggest thing a few years ago I was uh, clean water certified through the state of Minnesota, Department of Ag in uh, Minnesota. So the Department of Ag, he went out into my field and you know walked down a property line of my neighbors and went 20 feet into my soil and 20 feet into his soil. And he came back with those soil samples. And during the presentation that we had, he was showing off these soil samples. Um, and the soil samples were, you know, fist-sized, you know, soil. And I'm just looking, and I was just in awe of the different soil structure of those clumps of dirt. You look at my neighbor's property soil, and every time you work that soil up, it's breaking down the structure of that soil. It's becoming finer and finer and finer and finer. Once you get a rain, all those fine particles just snap to each other. And the best way to describe it is like a block of ice. But now you go to my soil, and I haven't done full with tillage in you know years prior to that test. And um, you can see the soil structure. You can see the aggregates of the soil. You can see where water can infiltrate through. You know, earthworm holes as big as your pinky. You know, going right through it. And I was just in awe. I never looked at dirt that way, but I was in awe of it. And you know, four years that my soil changed like that. Because there's no way my soil is any different than my neighbors when I was doing full with conventional tillage. But in four years where my soil structure does change and adapt and to allow moisture to get into the ground is just amazing. I mean, I built a house uh, off the farm um, in a woods that I grew up in. 
as a kid and my driveway goes past the drainage ditch that my dad had dug when I was a kid. And I was driving by it one day and I'm like, what is that? You know, this is a few years after doing strip plowing. I'm like, what is that? And I, I see the stream of water. I'm like, oh shit, that's a tile discharge. <laughs> you know, and that tile, I'm like, that tile line has not ran in 15 years. And now water's actually getting down to it again and running. I mean, that's just amazing. I mean, and I have old abandoned clay tiles, and this is one of my issues right now. I have old abandoned tile or clay tile lines. Water's getting down to them, and they're plugged. They're, you know, they're broken. They're damaged or whatever. So now I have blowouts out in the middle of the field. But before that, water never got to those tile lines. But now I do. And it's like, all right, water is definitely infiltrating my ground. It's just, it's crazy to, to see the difference in the soil and see those, those things really, truly happening. Yeah. Like you mentioned, when you first started strip tilling, you did it, you know, economically motivated, but did you ever imagine that it would have this big of an impact in other areas? You know, <laughs> they always said it, it would. Yeah. Uh, you know, I did not not believe them, but I mean, yeah, it, it's, it's definitely true. I mean, it's, I knew, you know, I knew by leaving that trash, my soil was going to be maintaining moisture, you know, and that, that's the one thing, um, you know, even soil temperatures a little bit cooler during those hot summer days, um, just because I had to cover over, you know, I cover that trash from the previous crop over them. But again, too, it's, it's the earthworms. I mean, you find an earthworm piles all over my place. I mean, earthworms come up in the middle of the night when the birds aren't out and they gather the food and put it over their hole. I'm like, really? I never seen knowing that, you know, <laughs> but yeah, it's just, you can spot them all over my field. And, you know, and you combine corn, you have all that trash and you go in there and plant in the spring, the trash is, you know, 90% still there from over winter, but by harvest time and, um, in fall, 90% of it's gone. And it's like, where did that all go? You know, that's, that's breaking down. That's, you know, earthworms are eating it and carrying it down into the ground. And, um, you know, it's just the microorganisms are starting to work and do their job. It's, it's just amazing. It's just, it's, it's fun to talk about. Well, it's great to hear you're having a lot of success. I'll give you the last word before we let you go. Any, uh, any words of advice to new strip tillers or people thinking about maybe giving it a try? Well, I mean, go talk, go talk. Uh, go talk to your soil and water uh, conservation district. Go and talk to your NCRS guy. They know who's doing these practices. Go talk to those guys and have them or you reach out to the farmers that are doing it. Um, the farmers that are doing it are probably like me, like talking about it. They want to encourage people to start doing these practices. Go talk to them. You know, talk and talk and talk. I mean, I had one guy just show up out of the blue and we talked for 45 minutes you know, about strip tilling and so forth. And I think the next year he actually purchased a strip till bar and starts strip tilling. I mean, the other thing is too, I mean, this is soil health. This is a, you know, environmentally friendly practice. I mean, I put a bid out on some land rent or land that came up for rent and, you know, right in my bid, I said, Hey, I am not going to be the highest bidder here. I'm going to be the best for your ground. And this is why, you know, and, my bid later letter was two pages long. I mean, a lot of people just write, you know, a dollar amount on a piece of paper and hand it in. Well, mine was all typed up with pictures explaining what I do, what your field's going to look like, what my goals are. 
and I, you know, it was four siblings renting it, and I spent 15 minutes on the phone with one, an hour and a half on the phone with another one, and I came back and I got the land. You know, so it's, am I paying the highest rent? Was I going to pay the highest rent? No. Um, but they saw the value of what I'm trying to do to their land, you know, how to make it better, how to put nutrients back in there. Because I think the previous farmer just kind of stripped it down, you know, so I'm rebuilding it. I'm putting the topsoil back on and it doesn't happen overnight. It's a continuous practice, but it's going to happen. It's going to work. So, but no, seriously, go talk to your NCRS or your uh, soil and water conservation district. They know who's doing this out there. So, and then go talk to those guys. Thanks to Greg and Tier for joining us on this week's podcast. And before we go, I want to remind you that registration is now open for the National Strip Tillage Conference. It's taking place in Bloomington, Illinois, August 3rd and 4th. The deadline for the early bird rate is May 31st. So if you want to save a few bucks, head to our website for more information and to register. That's striptillfarmer.com. Thanks again for listening. I'm Noah Newman. Until next time, for all things strip till, head to striptillfarmer.com. Have a great day.